This is what we do for a living. Part 5. St. Peter. My interpreter collected me at the airport. A loving soul, her usefulness as translator was marred only by her inability to speak much English or German. We took a taxi to the center of St. Petersburg. It was driven by a muscular bald Russian who drove as if rehearsing for a Hollywood chase scene. He wore a wife Peter t-shirt and I could imagine him jumping from his seat and laying into anyone who cut him off. Whenever there was a queue in front of a traffic light, he'd squeeze into an imaginary third lane and park himself diagonally in front of the lead car. He spoke to me in Russian, and my translator managed to explain that he was asking where I lived. I told him. He gesticulated happily, spoke a great deal, then waited for a translation. He says Hitler was a good man. I sat in a taxi with two strangers and wondered whether I should jump out and risk it on my own. Tell him I don't think so. He snorted and refused to talk to me any further. Neither of my chaperones appeared familiar with where they were bringing me. My translator laughed nervously as we pulled up in front of a building that could have been a warehouse. This is your hotel, I was told. I looked at it with unease. Moments before, I'd wanted to jump out of the taxi, but now I was reluctant. Are you sure? It looks um, a little run down. She was looking at it much the same way as I was. Her brow was furrowed. I called the office. Wait. There was an awkward silence while she dialed. Me and the taxi driver who liked Hitler sat in the front seats, mutually wishing the other one would spontaneously combust. No, it's a mistake. It's that one. I looked at the building to my right. I had not paid it much attention until now. It made the warehouse I would thought was my hotel look like the Ritz. Consisting entirely of crumbling red brick, it had the air of something misplaced. You're joking. My translator shrugged. Inside it was made of brown carpets and linoleum. Three ladies over sixty ran it, their coloured hair barely peeking out from over the high counter of the reception. They had a score of cats as pets that tried to jump into my room each time I opened the door. An aquarium with bored angelfish sat in a reception, as did a couch that appeared to be a direct import from the seventies. My bedroom had a bathroom built into one corner, separated from it with the kind of walls you can punch through. Mosquitoes tried to sneak into the windows whenever I left them open. It had something homey about it, as if the old ladies and their cats were my ancient relations, Aunt Olga, Vera and Anastasia. You had to leave the building and stroll to the warehouse for breakfast. It was served in a spacious hall with barred windows and antique wood tables. More of a cafeteria than a dining room, the counter was served by gap-toothed, big-bosomed women. It felt to me like a waiting room in a train station somewhere. Me and a Dutch stilt-walking group had arrived early, and the festival organization had asked us to take part in a pre-festival press conference. The event happened within a beautiful park upon an island in a well-to-do district of St. Petersburg. It was surrounded by villas housing foreign embassies and the very rich. The park itself was non-exclusive and was used for recreation by the normal population. Or stages were within the forests and in front of palace walls. At the back of the main building a pavilion had been erected and here sat the Dutch ambassador, together with one or two other politicians and members of the festival committee. I and the boss of the Dutch group had prepared ourselves for the conference. 
I had been thinking about appropriately clever things to say on the wonders of street theatre, half treading a barrage of journalists with microphones and prying questions. It was a gentle summer afternoon, with the Dutch ambassador dressed smartly in white, a light tarpaulin stretched above, and the neat manicured lawns around us. The scene had something of a colonial tea party. The two performers on stilts grazing the lawn as giraffes added to the imagery. The politicians talked for a long stretch of time. Then there was applause and everyone stood up and helped themselves to the snacks and drinks. I waited for the break to finish, expecting the questions from the journalists to follow. But, to my surprise, the cameras and notebooks were packed away. Uh, We go for lunch, my translator informed me. We went into the old stables, a whitewashed mansion in its own right. Here, no politicians strayed. A large dining room was laid out with takeaway Chinese boxes and plastic cutlery. We ate the lackluster meal, chatting amiably. The Dutch group were managed by an elderly lady with curly dark hair and a jovial manner. Do you think the journalists will ask us questions afterwards? I asked her innocently. She laughed. No, they forgot about us. Welcome to Russia. I asked my interpreter, but no one was telling her anything either, and she merely shrugged. Instead, she asked, Tonight, you want dinner? The Dutch lady nodded her head emphatically and cried, Yes. You like the food here or in restaurant? She asked. Or Asia Box had just recently been nominated by an international jury, us, for the worst meal of the year prize, so we agreed that a restaurant sounded like a good idea. How about you show us the city first, we suggested. It must be amazing. What you like to see? Anything. It doesn't have to be the tourist center, but how you live here. This was perhaps foolish of us to suggest. The rest of the afternoon was spent walking along six-lane highways just shy of the main attractions. Somehow we managed to avoid any other tourists, following our translator and guide through a tangle of crossroads, bazaars and bare back streets. When we were eventually worn out from walking and in need of food, it took us 45 minutes to get to the restaurant. We had to take two subways and a taxi. At one point we dived underneath train tracks leading out of town. Our taxi sped along what appeared to be a ring road around the centre, leaving the high-rises aside for a series of grey industrial blocks. Our destination was one of these, dumped carelessly within a parking lot and hooked by giant roads on either side. All of us were starving by that time, so it was with great surprise that, upon entering the place and sitting down, a waiter dressed in the neatest of costumes came and placed an Asia box in front of each of us. Our spirits dropped. When our interpreter had asked us if we would like the meal in a restaurant or in the park, she had meant exactly that. Would we like the same meal in the same place or 45 minutes away? The waiter brought us some plastic cutlery. Can I have a plate, I asked, hoping to make my meal appear, at least, to be something other than what I had eaten in the afternoon. I will ask, he said and walked away. He chatted to his superior for a very, very long time, and I began to feel as if I had asked for a manicure or some other unusual request. When he came back, he said, no plate. So we ate our Asia box in the finest of locations, surrounded by the personnel who looked at us as if we had crawled out of a spaceship from Mars. All the performers of the festival lived in the same hotel. A group from Samara, Russia, occupied the top floor and turned it into one long constant party. There must have been around 20 of them. 
They strolled the hallways with mugs of vodka, sat on doorsteps, smoked on the stairways. At night, they began dancing to the tin can music from their laptops. All of this happened in the tiny kitchen. Towards evening, they would frequently yell the five English words they were best at. We go to the kitchen! They get me every time, those sly partyaholics with their good time promises and dawn time ruminations. There is nothing as wonderful as sneaking up to the tail end of the morning through the back door of the night, talking, dancing, sharing ideas until you look outside and realize that a day is knocking on the windows. How often have I come back to a hotel in time to catch breakfast and fall into the sheets with the curtains pulled shut? How often have I woken to the knock on the door as the cleaning staff lose patience? In St. Petersburg, it was no different. Russia was entirely new territory to me, and I wanted to experience it completely, understand how the Russians lived, how their street theater scene reflected my own. That they even had a street theater scene was news to me, yet there I was in the heart of it, and I wanted to understand it. But after two nights of understanding the scene, I was exhausted. Consequently, my first show at the festival dribbled into a disaster. I was given a pitch in the heart of the forest, deep within the park, and instead of enjoying the newness of the situation, I found myself most uninspiring. Almost every situation I landed in merely confused me. Left with myself in the forest to keep me company once it was over, I packed up, returned to the hotel in the middle of the afternoon and tried to get some sleep before the next show. There are days like that, days when it feels as if I am uncreative by default, when every joke falls flat, when I have a migraine or simply am not in the mood, it can be difficult to find motivation to be entertaining. There is no history on the street. Each time you start, you start from scratch. More often than not, the show takes me into its own dynamic, and the headache or bad mood is forgotten for the duration of the performance. But not always. In St. Petersburg, I awoke refreshed. The cloud had passed. The show worked again. On the last day, the festival team invited us onto a boat trip around the island, a buffet of the most delicious food stowed in the hold. We were allowed onto the top deck to enjoy the view, but each time a bridge came, regardless of its height, a matron in a funny blue uniform yelled at us to GET DOWN! Now and then, he did away with yelling and simply came up behind people and pushed them down. The shoreline was eclectic, a mixture of mansions and modern housing complexes. On the sunny patches, ladies would stand in bikinis, sunning themselves. I had never seen people sunbathe standing up before, and it fascinated me. It was like seeing a field full of mannequins left out to dry. We passed by the Hermitage, took a turn around a military vessel. To sunset, we drank wine and laughed about weekend's shows. We go to the kitchen, was shouted almost as soon as we were docked. I don't think any of the performers slept that night. You'd think after all the shows played, all the acrobatics and nerves, a group such as ourselves would be too tired to do much but fall comatose into bed. But that was the very last thing anyone thought of. Instead, we danced until the dawn pulled in over the buildings. And when I was tired, I took myself down the stairs and sat on the steps, breathing in the fresh air. There was music leaking from the windows and waves of laughter chasing it down. I walked to the river to watch the colors bleed back into the city. St. Petersburg was as quiet as it could ever be. Birds called, a lone car hissed, the river gurgled and splashed. And I thought, what if we live our entire lives simultaneously? What if every single moment has happened and is happening all at the same time? You merely need to find the loophole in reality that will let you slip into it. 
If that's so, I'm sitting on a lamppost in Poland, watching an ice skater, and having false teeth thrown at me right at the same time as writing these lines. Then I'll be forever cocooned within those beautiful moments that have happened to me. Forever at the riverside, watching St. Petersburg wake up. Thank you for listening to This Is What We Do For A Living, a five-part miniseries on street theatre based on the book of the same name. The book is out as of today, 20th of May, 2020, and available to buy as a paperback or ebook via Books On Demand, www.bod.de, and shivergrings.com. If you want to support street theatre in these difficult times, then grab yourself a copy and enjoy the other 33 chapters. Feel free to share this podcast and give me your feedback. You can find contact information on my homepage. All details can be found in the description of this podcast.